This episode of the Hollyfield Nutrition Podcast is brought to you by Scratch Labs. To save 20% off your next Scratch Labs purchase, visit the link in the show notes and use code HOLLY20, that's H-O-L-L-E-Y-2-0, at checkout. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Hollyfield Nutrition Podcast. I am your host, Holly Samuel, and I am a registered dietitian, certified personal trainer, and I am so excited to chat with you today about electrolytes um, and hydration because it's getting warm. We are where I am located in New Hampshire, so I'm in New England seasonal place. You know, we're coming out of winter and spring, which if you live in New England or the Northeast, you know that spring is just basically extended winter and mud season. And then you snap your fingers and it's summer. (laughs) So I know sometimes like the heat can catch up pretty quickly to us up here in the Northeast. But for those of you elsewhere, you might be like, yeah, welcome to the club. It's been warm here for months. (laughs) So I wanted to do a hydration episode today. It's been a minute since I did a hydration episode on the podcast. I think my first hydration episode was in 2021. So over two years ago now. Uh, So it was time. It was time to get on here and talk more about hydration because it's super important. I talk about it with my clients every single day, no matter what time of year we are in. But I know when it gets warmer out, it starts to come to the top of everyone's minds because you start to really feel the difference if you're not doing a good job with hydration. So again, I want to reiterate that this content is evergreen, which means it is important year round. Um, We sweat year round if we are athletes, right? So We might sweat a little bit less in the winter if it's cold, but if we're on the treadmill inside, honestly, it's probably kind of the same amount of sweat. Um, And I know that sometimes people forget about this stuff in the cooler months, but it's still just as important. So just want to reiterate that if you're listening to this, not when it comes out in the summer and you're listening to it later. So when I talk about hydration, I know I've said this in so many other episodes and just kind of talked about it really briefly, but I really want to dive into the nitty gritty here because I just want you to understand how important and impactful proper hydration can be on your performance. Um, But when I talk about hydration, we are not just talking about like how much water you're drinking. That's important. Um, But we're talking about fluid and also electrolytes. Um, If you have heard of electrolytes before, you're probably thinking like, Gatorade or, you know, like sports drinks or salt. Um, And yes, electrolytes basically are salt. Um, They are sodium, potassium, calcium, chloride, uh, magnesium, and sodium bicarbonate are the main electrolytes. The ones that we lose the most of in sweat are primarily sodium um, by a lot. And we also lose some potassium um, and some of those other electrolytes and minerals as well. But the one we lose the most of is sodium. So when I'm talking about electrolytes, I'm primarily talking about sodium in this particular podcast episode. If you want to learn more about some of those other electrolytes and minerals, I have done episodes on like magnesium, um, you know, in previous podcast episodes, if you scroll back. And I will touch upon some of those a little bit too, because they're also important. But when I'm talking to endurance athletes who are sweating a lot, and we're just talking about performance hydration, which is what I'm going to focus on in this podcast episode, I'm primarily talking about fluid and electrolytes, aka sodium. So let's dive into 
basically what hydration status even means. <laughs> so when we are dehydrated, a lot of the times our body's not going to function as well as it should. Our bodies are primarily made of water. Um, so the water content of our bodies at any given moment is a helpful determinant of our hydration status. Um, hydration status impacts our muscles' abilities to contract and relax properly. Super important if you're an athlete, like running something like a marathon, right? Like our muscles are contracting uh, and relaxing all throughout that process. Our heart is a muscle, so that's always contracting and relaxing. If that's not going properly, you're going to be in trouble, right? So hydration definitely impacts our heart's ability to contract and relax properly. And hydration also has a lot to do with our hair, skin, and nail health. Um, it has a lot to do with our digestion. It has a lot to do with our energy levels, our cognition, and so much more. So again, hydration status, super important. This is such a low-hanging fruit that a lot of people miss. Um, like if you have a lot of GI distress or are constipated often, a lot of the times it's not really a food issue. It's probably more of a hydration and maybe central nervous system issue. So that's why we got a whole podcast episode dedicated <laughs> towards hydration. So when it comes to just like our day-to-day -day hydration, I'm not going to talk about this too much because again, I want to focus on performance hydration. But when I talk about day-to-day -day hydration, I'm talking about, yeah, how much fluid you're consuming each day, just like around mealtimes and, you know, from, from wake up to when you go to bed, I'm talking about how many electrolytes you're consuming as well. Um, and that sort of thing. We typically want to be drinking about half our body weight, if you think of that in pounds, in ounces of water per day. So if you are a 160 pound person, divide that in two, you're going to get 80. That's 80 ounces of water per day. That's your bare minimum. Um, and again, as athletes, we often need a lot more than that. So if you're like, oh, wow, I don't even get that. <laughs> um, then you have some work to do for your day-to-day -day hydration. Um, for a lot of athletes as well, our sodium needs are going to differ than that of what's recommended to the general sedentary population. Sodium is often like a four letter word associated with high blood pressure and other chronic health issues. Um, I know a lot of people hear the messaging that we shouldn't be having too much sodium. You know, there's so much sodium in our food. And if we have too much of it, we're going to have high blood pressure. And while this is, you know, this is definitely there's a grain of salt truth to that pun intended. Um, for athletes, a lot of the times that messaging is actually not super helpful. What I find in working with a lot of endurance athletes of all levels, whether you are looking to run your first half marathon, or you're like a marathon junkie, and you're running your 100th marathon, and you're a really fast runner, um, you know, I find that a lot of people are vastly underestimating how much sodium and how much electrolytes they actually need to thrive and perform really well. Um, especially because a lot of the times when I'm talking to endurance athletes, a lot of you guys have like a pretty decent quality diet, meaning, you know, maybe you do consume a lot of whole foods, you're a bit more health conscious um, than maybe some of your sedentary peers. That's, of course, not always true. But this is just the patterns that I see in clinical practice after working with hundreds, if not thousands of runners. Um, a lot of you are consuming low sodium foods in your diet. So you're not really meeting your sodium needs through your diet unless you are consuming high sodium foods, adding salt to your foods, or properly supplementing with electrolytes. Um, 
And this is why, again, I'm doing this podcast episode, because a lot of the times the messaging to the general public sedentary population is, you know, don't have more than 2,400 milligrams of sodium in a day. If you do, you're going to be more prone to high blood pressure. Um, If you do have high blood pressure or cardiac issues, some people are even recommended the DASH diet and to consume less than like 2,000 milligrams of sodium in a day. Um, And again, if you're an athlete, if you're doing long runs, if you're training, you might need double or triple that in a day. (laughs) So again, each person's individual hydration needs are going to vary because of sweat rates. Sweat rates vary and sweat composition person to person varies. But know that that recommendation may not apply to you if you are not a sedentary person. And if you're listening to this podcast and you're, you know, training for a race or you're currently running, you're not sedentary, right? So um, again, our electrolyte status is going to very much impact our hydration status. So day to day, know that you might need a lot more than what's recommended to the general public. We don't have like a daily sodium recommendation for athletes because athletic sodium needs vary so much, but know that a lot of the times it's much more than what's recommended to the general public. So if you were to like log your food, um, which I'm not saying you have to, but this is what I have clients do, or, you know, they'll log their food by just writing down what they eat. And then I'll do the math in my own head if they don't want to look at numbers. Um, and if we find that, Hey, you're consuming like 2000 milligrams of sodium in a day and you're running 30 miles a week, you know, and you know, you're experiencing some of the symptoms of dehydration, um, which I'll talk about in a second. Yeah. We might really need to work on that (laughs) by either salting your food, you know, not buying low sodium products or just, you know, having a fun electrolyte supplement to, um, literally supplement your needs. So things to think about now, When it comes to performance hydration, um, I am talking about what we are drinking and our hydration status. So again, fluid and electrolytes during, um, before and after our workouts. So that's what I want to focus on the most today, because this is where I find a lot of people are far falling very, very short. Um, in part because I don't think this is talked about enough. And also because there's conflicting information out there, um, about, hydration needs for like recreationally active people who are maybe doing like, you know, like a fitness class twice a week compared to someone who's training for a marathon. Um, this is even stuff that I remember when I first learned it a couple of years ago, when I was entering the sports nutrition specialty, I was like, this seems like a lot, like, do people really need this much? You know, again, I was coming from that traditionally trained dietetics background, a lot of traditional nutrition concepts taught to me. Um, and I was skeptical about how much people actually were recommended to get, you know, through hydration. And then once I started practicing it myself and with all of the clients I was working with, I was like, oh yeah, these recommendations are spot on. And a lot of people are not getting enough. So performance hydration, when I talk about that, it is what we are having, um, before, during, and after our workouts. So let's get into that. Okay. So before we get into this, I think it's important to understand why fluid and electrolytes, like why are they both so important? Um, and I don't want to get too much in the weeds because I know some of you care about that. And some of you are just like, tell me what to do. (laughs) Um, so basically why can't we just consume water and be hydrated? Because wherever the electrolytes in our body are, that's where the water is going to go. 
So if we are low in total electrolytes and we drink plain water, basically that water is not going to get absorbed as much as it could. It's going to go right through us and it might actually pull out valuable nutrients with it and actively dehydrate us. Um, which I know a lot of people are like, I drink so much plain water all the time. I'm always in the bathroom peeing. Like my urine's clear or very light, light, light yellow. Like I have to be hydrated, right? So no, not necessarily. Um, if you are drinking a lot of water and you are constantly peeing, if you are you know, having to pee a lot during your runs too, especially, and again, it's very clear, um, that can actually be a sign that, again, you're not consuming enough electrolytes. Um, so water goes where the electrolytes go. So if we're consuming electrolytes, they are going to go through the barriers and water is going to be able to follow to establish a good fluid balance. And for people who are more scientific are probably like, oh my God, you're simplifying that so much. But that's that's where I'm gonna leave it. <laughs> we want water to not just sit in our gut, sloshing around and moving right through us, right? Like we want it to get into our bodies, to get into our cells, to hydrate them. So that again, our body's primarily made of water, so it can do its thing. It can contract and relax properly with muscles, um, you know, and other stuff can happen happen as it should. One of the biggest signs of dehydration in runners is getting GI distress, especially um, like further into your run or after. Um, I know I've talked a lot about GI distress, the runner's trots you know, GI health <laughs> on here. Um, so I don't want to dive into the nutrition aspects that can also cause GI distress. But one of the biggest things I see in runners who are having that like, oh, my stomach feels really sloshy, you know, into my runs, it's really hard to take in fuel because of that. Um, you know, it must be the gels. And a lot of the times it's not the gels. <laughs> um, you know, it's not the fluid, it's that you're missing out on electrolytes. Um, so again, to kind of talk about what to do before, during, and after running, I think we need to understand that first. The second thing we need to understand is sweating. <laughs> so when we exercise, it brings our core temperature up because we're burning energy. Our body's mechanism to reduce our core temperature and keep it where it's supposed to be is to sweat. We sweat fluid and, and electrolytes out of our sweat glands. It lays on our skin. And then it evaporates, and that is what cools us off. The ability to maintain a reasonable core temperature is what's going to keep our heart rate um, at an appropriate level. So what happens when we're dehydrated is we're not producing like enough sweat to cool us off. Um, so our heart rate has to work. We have to, our heart has to work harder, um, to basically keep us functioning. And that's where, you know, basically you experience elevated heart rate, your perceived exertion goes up and you end up slowing down to compensate. Um, so that's why being able to sweat a lot, <laughs> being able to sweat properly, um, and therefore hydrate properly is super important. Because if we're not sweating to our potential, um, which is such a funny concept, but like sweating is a good thing. If we're not sweating to our potential, um, our body's not going to cool itself off. And then we're not going to be able to perform the way that we want to. And we might even run into more serious situations. So super important to understand that. Now, things that can impact this, if it's humid, your sweat's not going to evaporate very quickly because it's humid and it's not you know dry enough to evaporate. So that's why it's really hard to perform well in extremely humid conditions. Um, if it's super hot out, obviously the temperature is going to also raise your core temperature. So you're going to have to sweat more and work harder to keep that core temperature reasonable. 
So that's why, you know, our sweat rates should increase in warmer weather. We should be sweating more the hotter it is to cool ourselves down. If you are in your luteal phase of your menstrual cycle, so basically the second half of your cycle, so like right after ovulation leading up to the first day of your period, that's the luteal phase. I have a whole podcast episode on that from the fall of 2022. So scroll back if you're like, what? Um, But basically our core temperature is going to increase during the luteal phase as well. So women or people who menstruate may need more fluid and electrolyte intake during this time to maintain their core temperature because again, their body's working a little bit harder to keep itself cool. So that's something to consider. Um, Also, if you are, um, you know, just not you know, if you're not in an environment that you're used to. So if you end up in a hotter environment than you're used to, and you didn't have time to acclimate to that, your sweat rate isn't going to be as efficient as it would be if you had time to acclimate. So that's something to consider too. That's why the dreaded like, oh, I trained in cold weather and my race day is in hot weather can be really hard for some people um, because your body just hasn't acclimated its sweating process to cool you off efficiently. So how can we keep our core temperatures down? We can drink enough water so we're sweating enough. We can drink enough electrolytes so that the water we're drinking is staying in us so that we are hydrated and can therefore also sweat enough. We could also manually cool ourselves off by like dumping cold water on our heads, using ice packs, running through a sprinkler, wearing, you know, uh, minimal clothing in hotter temperatures. So running in the shade, you know, these are all things too that can impact our hydration status because if you can keep yourself cool and minimize the environmental impacts on your body, um, that's one way that we can maybe, you know, it makes it easier to maintain our hydration status. So that's why in so many like race recap episodes, you've heard me say, I felt kind of hot. And then I started dumping water on my head because I didn't really want to have to like change my hydration strategy because I, I couldn't really, I didn't have additional stuff with me on the course. And I hadn't practiced that and I didn't have time to acclimate to that. So I started dumping water on my head to help manually cool myself off, which is very effective. Um, That's a very effective strategy. So definitely something that you can use. So again, if we are losing both fluid and electrolytes in our sweat, um, the amount at which we lose is going to depend on the environment and the season and everything, but it's also going to depend on um, the individual. So for example, I have some clients who they sweat a lot, like they're really high um, sweaters, (laughs) but it's pretty diluted. Like they don't lose a lot of electrolytes in their sweat. I have other clients who really don't sweat that much um, and they don't lose a lot of electrolytes in their sweat. Hydration is going to be the easiest for them (laughs) because they just don't have to take in that much to keep their bodies cool. I have people who lose not that much fluid in their sweat, but it's very concentrated. They're very salty. Um, So they're, you know, losing more electrolytes, but not a ton of fluid. And then there's the people um, who lose, you know, a lot of fluid and a lot of, it's very concentrated too. These these people are going to have the hardest time maintaining their core temperature and hydration status. Um, So if you're someone where you just feel like you're always covered in salt, like your skin has a lot of salt on it when you get back from workouts, Um, your clothes have like that white crystal, you know, pattern on them from the salt you're losing. Or if your eyes get really irritated very easily because the sweat's, you know, salty and it's going into them, 
that's probably a sign that you're a salty sweater. <laughs> you're a salty, salty person. So, um, you know, you might need to pay attention to the higher end of the ranges that I'm going to talk about in this podcast episode for electrolytes. So again, this is going to differ person to person. That's why we have people like, you know, Emma Bates, who don't have to take in a ton of fluid or electrolytes when they're running a marathon, because they just don't lose a lot of sodium or fluid in their sweat. And they can get away with that because their body still functions on very minimal hydration at the lower ends of the ranges I'm going to talk about. And you have people like, you know, my husband who comes back from anything he does and his clothes are white <laughs> and he's like, his eyes are burning and his skin's irritated from all the salt he's losing in his sweat and he gets cramps really easily. Um, and a lot of those dehydration symptoms come up for him very easily. So keep that in mind as we continue. None of this is individualized advice. Um, but if you do want to make it more individualized, you can do things to kind of help understand where you might be on the sweat spectrum. <laughs> so for testing your sweat rate, all you have to do to assess how much fluid you are losing, um, a very simple kind of science experiment is to basically weigh yourself without any clothes on right before you're about to go for a run, you know, try not to go to the bathroom or drink anything after you weigh yourself. Um, and then go for a run, preferably for about an hour. Um, and then when you come back, as soon as you get back, step on the scale without any clothes on and assess the difference. Um, and then you can basically go online and plug that difference into a calculator and understand how much fluid you lost while you were running. And that is the amount of fluid that you will lose per hour. So you can try to, you know, replace at least 90% of it um, through your hydration. So that's kind of how you assess fluid loss for sweat composition. So how many electrolytes you're losing, that's a little bit harder to do at home. <laughs> so you can try to go to like a local university that has like a sports science lab and see if they do sweat composition tests. It's pretty involved um, and not all of them do it. Um, or you can try to do an at-home product like the Gatorade patch or like the Hydro Drop holster. Um, both of these will do their best to assess how many electrolytes you're losing in your sweat. Just make sure you really read the directions, especially with like the cheaper the product, the more finicky and less accurate it probably is. Um, and just be really know that your run's going to be choppy that day because you're going to be very heavily following instructions. Um, but if you're like, I'm following general hydration guidelines for sports nutrition, and I'm still having a lot of symptoms of dehydration. Like, what am I doing wrong? And you might be someone who has like a, a less common type of sweat composition. Maybe you're a really high loser of electrolytes, or maybe you're a pretty low electrolyte loser. Um, so that sometimes that can be really helpful. That's something I'll have my clients do. I'll have them like purchase a product like that so that I can help them understand their sweat composition from afar and make more individualized recommendations. So those products are like between $20 and like $200. Um, so again, and they're not perfect either, but they can kind of help. But if you're someone where you got salt on your skin and on your clothes and on everything after you return from a run, you can assume you'll be at the higher end of these ranges that I'll give. So before we talk about it, let's hear a word from our sponsor. Okay, so before we start any workout, we want to be in good hydration status. So if you're like a morning runner, you know, you probably want to have some water, maybe throw some electrolytes in there if it's going to be longer than an hour run um, before you start. I'm not going to give specific fluid recommendations because this really kind of depends on the person and the situation. 
Um, and then, you know, for during your runs, if you are running in like a hot um, or humid environment, and that's obviously going to be relative to the person, but I would consider anything over like 70 degrees Fahrenheit to be warm. Um, you know, and if it's like over 50% humidity, again, that kind of really depends on where you live. For me, that wouldn't feel humid at all living in New England, but for someone out West that might feel very humid. Um, that's kind of the cutoffs I like to use for people considering what to do. If your run's going to be an hour or longer, you know, you definitely need to bring hydration no matter how cold or warm it is. Um, if it's going to be under an hour, but it's going to be in those warmer or more humid conditions, you probably might want to still consider bringing water. But if it's cooler or dry, you probably don't need it for something under an hour. But again, it's certainly not going to hurt you if you want to bring it. So those are kind of like the cutoffs. Now, once we're talking an hour or longer, Again, what we want to think about is both fluid and electrolytes per hour. Um, so the general sports nutrition recommendations from the American College of Sports Medicine, um, which is where I have my personal training certification through, is that we want to take in probably somewhere between like eight ounces and like 32 ounces of water per hour. Again, that's like a huge range. Um, so a lot of this heavily depends on the person's sweat rate and also the conditions. Um and then also we want to take in at minimum 300 milligrams of sodium per hour. To put this into perspective, I have clients who are salty sweaters who need about 2000 milligrams of sodium per hour. So again, quite a big range for myself personally, I'm probably somewhere in between the 600 to 800 milligram of sodium per hour range. I am a pretty average sweater, maybe a little bit on the saltier side. Um, but kind of like I'm someone who does pretty well in hot conditions. So if you feel like you really struggle in hot conditions, you probably need even more. Um, if you're someone who feels really good in hot conditions, you might be okay somewhere in the middle of those ranges or even on the lesser side. So big ranges to consider, right? So if you're like, okay, well, how do I get that in? What does that account to realistically? Cause I'm not just going to chug, you know, 20 ounces of water and a bunch of sodium at the hour mark and then continue running. <laughs> we want to be sipping that or getting it in doses, you know, throughout the hour. So that's what it adds up to per hour. Um, we can do that in a couple ways. We can get sodium from a sports drink um, like Scratch Labs, or we can get it from, you know, our gels or our fuel. Um, one of my favorite ways to get an extra sodium for heavier sweaters or heavier salty sweaters is through high sodium fuel like Huma Plus products. They have extra electrolytes in them. Never Second is another higher sodium gel. Um, some of the Goo Roctanes are on the higher side than the regular Goos, but they're still lower than some of the other higher salty products that I like. You can also use a supplement like Salt Stick um, or Base Salt or another just like salt supplement that you're either taking in swallowable pill form, like a little capsule, or in a fast chew, like chewable form. That's kind of like, um, it's kind of chalky, like, you know, it's like a like a chew, um, or you could get it, you know, through something like base salt, which is essentially just like putting salt on your skin and licking it off, <laughs> um, or like a salt stick, you know, situation where you're just literally supplementing salt into your training. So, um, bunch of different ways to get sodium. <laughs> so basically how you 
get it doesn't really matter. It just matters that you get it and that you tolerate it well. So you can mess around with all of the different ways to get sodium. My favorite way, especially for half and full marathoners or triathletes is for, you know, making sure we're using it through a sports drink, because typically that's also going to help us meet our fueling needs by providing extra carbohydrates. And spoiler, carbohydrates also help us absorb fluid and electrolytes. So they actually help hydrate us. Um, so that's super important. So Again, our sports drinks are going to range a lot in sodium as well. So talking about scratch products, which are my personal favorite, um, you know, you can use scratch hydration mix, which has like 380 milligrams of sodium in it per serving, or you could use one of their higher sodium products like scratch wellness, um, which has about double that. You can use their scratch clear products to add more to something else. Or you can, um, you know, use their hyperhydrate product, which has over 1500 milligrams of sodium in it per serving. So there's a lot of different ways to get this in. And again, not all sports nutrition drinks are created equal. Um, so you really kind of want to get familiar with, you know, what you think you need um, and how you're going to get it in in a way that is comfortable and convenient for you to take it in on the run. Because if we're just kind of sipping a sports drink while taking our gels every 30 minutes on a run, that might be plenty for some people. Like doing a packet of scratch per hour and a pretty moderate to low sodium gel like goo, um, you know, every 30 minutes, that's probably going to be about 400 milligrams of sodium per hour. Um, and, you know, that's that's kind of at the, at the low end of that range I gave. But if you're someone who's salty, that's not going to be enough for you. Like it's going to be better than nothing. But if you're still experiencing symptoms of dehydration, like you're getting sloshy stomach, you're getting GI distress, especially as you get further into your run, you feel really nauseous, especially for the rest of the day after your run, or you feel like you have like flu-like symptoms after your run. Um, or if you get really cold when you're running, despite it being warm out, if you stop sweating, if you get a lot of muscle cramps or headaches, um, these are all signs of dehydration. <laughs> so if you're like, I'm in the ranges that you provided, but I'm at the lower end of the ranges and I'm still having some of these symptoms, you just, you really, you probably need to increase until you don't have the symptoms anymore. And again, it might be a lot higher than you think it is. Um, so for me, I tend to take between 12 and 24 ounces of fluid per hour, depending on how hard I'm working and what the climate is like. And I take in between 600 and 800 milligrams of sodium per hour, again, depending on the climate and what the environment is like and how hard I'm working. Um, so for me, you know, that's kind of easy for me to calculate, easy for me to figure out. I use scratch products primarily, unless I'm at a race that doesn't offer scratch. Even then I still take it with me and then I'll supplement with aid stations. Um, so I figured out what works for me. You know, I'm constantly trying new things to see what might work for other people too. And I have clients where like, you know, no fuel plan that I create is identical. Like a lot of them are just way, way different. People like different things. They have different preferences. So you kind of have to play around with what you like, what is the path of least resistance to get you to actually do it <laughs> and what works for you. Um, so that's what you want to think about during the run is, okay you know, how am I getting in my sodium? How am I getting in my fluid? How much do I typically take in per hour? And is that enough? And if not, I need to increase that. And I need to consciously be able to do that because it's a change. Um, for after the run, 
this is where a lot of people fall short too. <laughs> so for after the run, we still need to drink plenty of fluid and electrolytes. Technically, if you were to step on your scale, you know, and if there is a greater than 2% difference in weight loss, um, then you basically have let the dehydration go too far. You've let it get to a point where it's absolutely going to affect your performance. Um, we want it to ideally be less than that. And um, for every pound you lose, you should be replacing it with about 16 to 20 ounces of water um, and probably have an electrolyte in there as well. So again, the concentration is going to depend on the individual, but probably at least 300 milligrams of sodium per 16 ounces of water. So if you get on the scale and you're like, oh man, I lost two pounds, you know, on that run of water weight, you know, I need to drink an additional 32 ounces of water and 600 milligrams of sodium today, in addition to my regular needs, that's where a lot of people tend to fall short, right? <laughs> so because that's a lot extra. Um, again, if you're someone who doesn't weigh yourself, or you don't want to weigh yourself, I don't personally weigh myself. This can just start to become intuitive, the better you get at it. So if you finish a run, you should feel pretty good. You know, if you're properly refueling, rehydrating after you should feel like a good functional human for the rest of the day, you shouldn't be down for the count, feel like you have flu like symptoms, have headaches, cramps, feel, you know, just really exhausted or like you can't function. So if you feel really great, then you're probably doing a decent job with how you rehydrate and refuel. But if you're like, Oh, yeah, I think I could improve. Um, that's something to start with, you know, try having like an electrolyte, like scratch, um, after your run with some fluid in addition to your refuel process. Um, and know that your hydration needs again, might be higher than you think they are. Now, uh, my dog's snoring in the background. She finds this very boring. So I'm sorry if you hear her. Um, but in terms of, can I overhydrate? Can I overdo it? This is always a question that I get. And yes, yes, you can. More is not always better when it comes to sports nutrition or this stuff. But what I find is that a lot of people would have to be working really, really hard and putting a lot of intention behind things in order to overdo fueling or hydration, because at least half of the endurance population isn't doing enough. So um, yes, if you drink too much water without enough electrolytes, in particular sodium, um, you can develop a condition called hyponatremia, which means again, that there's not enough electrolytes to help your muscles, like your heart contract properly and to help keep water in your body to cool you down and to hydrate you. So this is something that can happen in like the endurance athlete who, you know, does all of their training with just water, you know, they're never taking in electrolytes, or maybe they're just not taking in enough electrolytes for their unique sweat composition losses. And they end up, you know, needing an IV, um, they might end up with heart palpitations, might end up passing out, um, you know, muscle cramping, feeling really cold, really, you know, scary symptoms. Um, that's something too, that can happen if you have like had a stomach bug recently, or if you, you know, are really hungover. like if you, you know, experienced anything in addition to exercise and sweating that can dehydrate you like throwing up you know, a lot of diarrhea, that type of thing. Um, that's something that can happen too. So I always am telling my sick patients, <laughs> make sure you're not just drinking water, you probably also need electrolytes. Um, so that's something that's important to consider as well. Um, that no more is not always better. So, you know, if you're just doing a lot of plain water, you're going to need to add sodium to that in order to maintain optimal hydration balance. 
So make sure after your workouts, you are having plenty of fluid, but that you're also adding an electrolyte to that. Um, I have clients make sure they're doing this as a part of their refuel strategy and also post race. Like if you're someone post marathon who always feels like you have the flu or like you can't even stay awake or function. Um, again, the food is not the only part of that, especially if you get really nauseous, like after a workout, a lot of the times that can be hydration related. So make sure you're drinking fluid with electrolytes. Don't forget about the electrolytes. They're super, super important. Um, speaking of electrolytes too, a concept, um, called sodium loading is something that I often get asked about. So I wanted to dive into that a little bit too. So basically this is the idea that if we consume an like a higher amount of sodium, which is that main electrolyte that helps us retain water and that we lose in sweat um, with plenty of fluid before a race like a marathon, then we would be able to retain a little bit more water and maybe help out our hydration status a little bit, especially if it's going to be warm out or if we are a heavier sweater. And this is a evidence-based concept um, that I actually have practiced myself and have practiced with clients that works really well for people who have like a higher sweat rate. So how to do it is basically you want to consume an additional like one to 3000 milligrams of sodium. Again, some of it's individual depends on the person, um, but an additional one to 3000 milligrams of sodium in a day um, with again, plenty of fluid. And this can help us retain some extra water so that we can kind of use that to maintain our core temperature and hydration status during a race. And this can be effective if you, again, are a higher sweater where you have a lot of trouble trying to meet your hydration needs. It's definitely not necessary for everyone to do. Um, it causes water retention. So again, it might not be like the most fun thing to do because you're going to feel like you're retaining water on top of the water you're retaining from carbo loading with glycogen. So again, if you feel a little fluffy on the start line of a marathon, there's a good chance you're doing something correct. So good job, even though it doesn't feel very good. Um, and this concept can be helpful, especially if it is like hotter conditions too for a race. Um, so this is something to consider if you want to as well. You can use a official product like Scratch Hyperhydrate um, in order to do this in one fellow swoop, or you can add several servings of sodium um, containing products like supplements or just salting your food extra over the course of the day, choosing saltier foods like salted bagels or salted pretzels or ramen, chicken broth, that type of stuff before a race with plenty of fluid. Um, and that can be an effective strategy, but again, not everyone needs to do that. If you're kind of lower on the sweat rate totem pole <laughs> and you're not losing as much and it's going to be a cooler day, like you might not need to really do that. Um, but it can be something that's effective for people. So if you feel like you might be on the higher end of the sweaty or the, the sweaty totem pole, <laughs> um, then maybe try it out and see, see what you think. So hopefully this information was helpful. Um, hydration's really, really important. It's something that gets missed, um, in the endurance community. And again, if you're like, I know I'm taking in enough carbohydrates, like I know I'm getting enough fuel and I'm still like bonking or I'm still having headaches or cramps or like issues throughout the day. And I drink water, but I'm wondering about hydration. Um, there, you might be leaving a lot on the table if you're not focusing on hydration in terms of fluid and also electrolytes. Um, so try some of this stuff out, you know, tag me on social media. If you feel like it's been helpful, um, if you have, you know, additional questions or you need help troubleshooting this, you are always welcome to sign up for my master classes or my 
courses that go through hydration and fueling, which I will link to my school on Thinkific in the show notes. You can get access to all of the different masterclasses and online courses that I have to offer. If you are a student in any of my courses, like my runner roadmap course or my fuel mini course, which covers hydration in depth, you are also welcome to schedule a one-on-one call with me if you feel like you need additional support to individualize this stuff even more to you. So again, that will be linked in the show notes so you can check all of that out. But until next time, happy hydrating and happy running. Stay cool. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on a whim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details.